Welcome back to the In God She Trust podcast. This is Kitri, Tasha, and Kendra. Oh, y'all, we got a special guest in the house. This is Kendra Bauer. I'll, like, I was going to introduce you, but I think it's easier if you just kind of tell us about who you are so I don't mess anything up. So tell us a little bit about who you are. All right. So right now I'm currently employed as a kindergarten teacher in Lander, Wyoming, and I have uh, my husband and three children. We also uh, work part-time at our church as associate pastors. We graduated from Rama Bible Training Center in Oklahoma in 2009. So that's a little bit of my background. I think awesome. it's important to also, in that biography, say that you've been pivotal in both Kitri and I's lives. Oh, as well. massively. So, yeah, yes. massively. So I think it's, it's awesome that you're here, and we thank you for coming on with us today to talk about this and do we mm-hmm. have we announced what we're talking about today no we haven't so we felt like kendra was the absolute perfect person to talk about this subject because it's what she's kind of spoken into both of my life and tasha's life and it's like the authority of the believer and the authority that we that we get in christ and honestly that was not something that i was ever taught growing up like i i believe that christ had all authority and like it was just our job to like spread the gospel and the message but it wasn't until yeah i started talking with you and gj and other pastors from from your guys's church that i was like oh i didn't know this was something that we got as believers so yeah so interestingly enough i didn't understand the authority of the believer until i was 19 Mm-hmm. And so um, I was raised in a Baptist church and loved my pastor. He's my best friend's dad. Still love him to this day. Mm-hmm. He's just like a second dad to me. But um, when I was a child, I had recurrent nightmares. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if either of you have ever experienced something like that. But I'd have the same nightmare several mm-hmm. times a week. And mm-hmm. it was, and I actually had two different ones. And so it just depended, you know, I mean, multiple, multiple times a month, I would have these two nightmares and they were exactly the same every time that I had them Mm. for as long as I can remember. And they were both concerning like safety of immediate members of my family Mm -hmm. and just awful nightmares. Like to this day, I still remember vividly what they were because I had them so many times. Right. Just kind of get stuck in your brain. Yes. And when I was in middle school, I went to a friend's house. I was having a sleepover over there. And I don't remember why we were talking about it, but I mentioned that to her mom. And she, I still remember we were sitting on the couch and she turned and looked at me right dead in the eyes. And she said, Kendra, you know, nightmares come from the devil. And Mm. all you have to say is in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. And that fear and anxiety can't stay because Mm -hmm. that's not from God. And that was the first experience I ever had with the believer's authority, even though I didn't realize it was called the believer's authority at the time. Right. So at that point in my life, like I said, I was in middle school. I don't remember exactly what grade when those nightmares would come. The first thing that I was able to do is just like barely squeak out the name of Jesus because they were terrifying nightmares. Yeah. And after I started doing that some, they started coming less often. And then I would be able to say I would have enough power inside of me or enough confidence of the power inside of me to say, in the name of Jesus, leave me be. Or in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. And um, through that, then later on in life, I kind of learned how to use um, the word of God to mm-hmm. help you. So then you can put your name in the word of God. So the word of God says, I give your, I give my beloved sweet sleep. So then before mm. I went to bed, I would say, um, I receive sweet sleep because Jesus says that he gives his beloved sweet sleep and I'm his beloved. Right. Or, you know, using, uh, the word of God in that way. 
And so just a combination of those things and taking my authority in that way, I haven't had one of those nightmares for years and years. Wow. So then when I turned 19, so I'm telling you, I had those nightmares like all the way up into college, even though it was a lot less often. And like, so it lasts years. Years oh of my, my life. Yeah. From as early as I can remember, I still remember like waking up and going into my parents' bedroom and just like looking for reassurance, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that everything was okay. And then... Um, even though they became less often after middle school, after I learned that, they would still sometimes come until, like, I was in college and I really understood my authority. So that was my first experience with it also. Yeah. So. And you and I have similar backgrounds, you know, with the Baptist mm-hmm. upbringing. And so it was, you're right, I mean, it's nothing that they ever touch on. And we've talked about this in episodes too, Katri, about certain things that pastors tend to stay away from. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it wasn't until, you know, we started getting involved with, with your life that we both, I think, heard that for the first time. And yeah. just in regards to the dreams thing, you know, my son, and you know, it's... For those of you that don't know, my son was actually in Kinder's class, and um, and so he's he was dealing with nightmares as well. And because of what she has had taught me about the authority, you know, he now knows that when he goes to bed, he'll ask me, "Mommy, pray Jesus over me," and so that he doesn't have nightmares. Mm-hmm. And and it, he he has that faith, and we don't deal with that issue anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's amazing just to know that it's just the name of Christ that that mm-hmm. you can call on. Can you lead us to a key, like, couple of scriptures as to sure. as to what the Bible actually says about that? Yeah, so as far as, like, using the name of Jesus, in John chapter 14, um, it talks about Jesus is saying, uh, he's talking to his disciples there, and he says in verse 13, so John chapter 14, verse 13, Um, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified and extolled in the Son. I will grant whatever you shall ask in my name. And so it's just saying whatever you're going to ask, if you use the name of Jesus, it has to be done for you because he's giving us that promise right there in John Mm -hmm. chapter 14. And then in John 16. Now, when he says this, too, you have to understand that this is according to God's will. You can't just say, I have a million dollars in the name of Jesus. Right. Right. I was 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 going to say. Right. I mean, that would be really nice. Yes. (laughs) I always want to say, like, the perfect will of God is the word of God, right? Right. We know that the will of God is the word of God. So anything that he says in his word Mm -hmm. is done for you when you ask in Jesus' name. Um, And then there's another one that says, it's in John chapter 16. I think I passed it. Uh, 1623, it says, when that time comes, you will ask nothing of me. I assure you will not need to ask me any questions. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you that my father will grant you whatever you ask in my name. So I always say, if you find something in the Bible, you need to look for it twice Mm -hmm. because then you're not misunderstanding. You know, you can take any verse out of the Bible and make it say what you want it to say. Yeah. So if you find it twice or even three times, then you always know Okay, so now I am understanding what it says. So we're not taking it out of context. Right, exactly. Just kind of twist it to what we want. Right, who was it written to? Who was it written by? What was it written for? Kind of understanding that's called rightly dividing the word of God. And then it goes on in verse 24 to say, Up to this time you have not asked a single thing in my name. 
because you haven't had to basically Mm because he's on earth. But now ask and keep on asking and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. So I think that was one major thing that I noticed when I ask something in the name of Jesus, Mm -hmm. it has to be done for me, right? The Bible says it right there. But then if you also look in Ephesians where it says Jesus is the the name above all names. So that means his name is higher than any name that has ever been spoken. It's higher than cancer. It's higher than fear. It's higher than um, poverty. It's higher than sickness. Mm-hmm. Any any name that can be named, Jesus' name is higher. It's more yeah. powerful. Yeah. So whenever you apply Jesus' name to your life, it has to be more powerful than anything else because that's what it is. And Ephesians is really where you find the power of the authority explained really well. Mm-hmm. So um, in Ephesians, I actually made some notes. I preached on this not too long ago, so I just grabbed my sermon here. But in Ephesians 1, power is in verses 19 through 21, power is listed three times. And this is, um, uh, who wrote Ephesians? Paul? Paul wrote Ephesians. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I I know that, and I just did that. (laughs) So Paul is writing to different churches. And Ephesians is a letter that he wrote to the church of Ephesus. And in Ephesians 19 through 21, you see three times that he uses the word power. And he's literally telling, this is the plan of God for the believers. That's what he's telling the church at Ephesus. And so the first time it says, um, in verse 19, it says, so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. And that word power, the New Testament is written in Greek. Mm-hmm. So you have to go back to the Greek and say, what word did they use? Right. Even though the interpreters said power, 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 it's actually three different kinds of power. So the oh, okay. first power is called dunamis power, and it's miraculous power or power in action, power that makes something happen. So he's saying you have, you have access to miraculous power as a believer. The next time he says it, he says it at the end of verse 19, um, working in the in his mighty power and this bible actually says strength because that's what it means okay it means his mighty power the strength of his might um so he's saying there we have miraculous power we have mighty strength and it's when it refers to mighty strength that's the same power that raised christ from the dead the mighty strength that raised christ from the dead um and then in verse 21 it says and this is what i said when it says jesus is the name above all names it says he's put all things under his feet. He's far above all rule and authority and power. And that kind of power is, I can't pronounce it in the Greek. It's like excusia or something, but it means delegated influence or authority. Mm. So we have miraculous power, we have mighty strength, and we have authority as believers. Those are the three kinds of powers that God gave us. And so if you just look at that, and you, and this chapter always also talks about how Jesus is the head and the church is the body. Mm -hmm. And so all of the members of the church, and when I say church, I don't mean a building. I mean believers. The body of Christ. Every believer. Yep. So the body of Christ is, you know, you have the head at the top and then you have the body of Christ underneath them. And the head directs the body what to do, right? So as believers, we're supposed to follow what Jesus does. And then it says... He's placed the head up far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, um, not only in this age and in this world, but also mm-hmm. in the age and world which are to come. So you're talking about spiritual things there. And he has put all things under his feet 
and has appointed him the supreme head of the church. So where are the feet on the body? They're at the bottom, right? So if Jesus is the head and the church is the body, that mm-hmm. means we're included in the feet, right? Mm. And everything else is under our feet. So all other powers and dominions and everything else is under the feet of the body of Christ. So he's your authority. He tells the body what to do, and everything else is under our feet. Does that make sense as a visual picture yeah. of the head and the body? That's and a, then where yeah. everything That's else is. That's a really is. good picture because I never, I mean, once again, like, I'm still learning about this. I mean, I'm 28, sure. and I'm still, like, learning. So, like. <laughs> I was like, that's a really good way to think about it. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I have authority in Christ. But when it's like, when you think about it, like, I'm a part of the body of Christ, but then I'm still the feet and everything else is underneath me. Like, that puts it into a whole different perspective of the kind of authority that we have in Christ. And anything that, you know, we do with the authority is not us doing it. It is Christ doing it through us. But that's just, it's cool that we get to be used as those instruments for Christ's power. Right. Just as our head directs our physical bodies, right? Our brain tells our bodies what to do. Jesus is telling the church what to do. And then he's placed everything else under the feet. Can you, can you kind of explain how this correlates to um, us being part of the heavenly realm? Sure. Already. So yeah. actually I was looking um, in Ephesians 2, 6, it says he raised us up together with him and made us to sit down together in the heavenly sphere, basically is what it says with Christ Jesus. So when Jesus uh, was raised from the grave, the Bible says, you know, he reached down. It's like he reached down and brought us up with him. So Ephesians 2, 6 says this, He raised us up together with him and made us sit down together in the heavenly sphere in Christ Jesus. So when Jesus uh, raised from the dead, he literally reached down and pulled all believers up with him, past, present, future, because in the spirit realm, there's no time. It's mm-hmm. hard for our natural minds to understand. Yeah, Past, present, future is something that we know, but it's not something that operates in eternity. And so, um, anyway, he pulled all believers, future, so that includes us, up with him and seated us in the heavenly places beside him. Mm -hmm. So if you think about a king and who would sit at his right hand, it's not going to be just somebody, right? It's going to be somebody who has the king's authority. Mm -hmm. He's going to speak for the king. He's going to do the king's bidding. He's going to, you know, things happen when, when that person speaks, whoever's sitting next to the king. So if we're sitting at Jesus' right hand and Jesus is the king, Mm-hmm. We're doing the king's bidding. We have the king's authority. Things that we say, he says. I just mm-hmm. heard a sermon this weekend at youth camp, and they said, whatever Jesus or whatever you say, according to the word of God, is what Jesus says in the mm-hmm. heavenlies. That's what he's commanding in the heavenlies. So um, pastor said it in a really, in a really clear way, too, that I loved. He said, If you drive up somewhere and you see a police officer standing in the middle of the street with a stop sign, what do you do? You stop. You stop. Mm -hmm. Now, does he have the actual physical power to stop you? If he's out there holding the stop sign, I mean, you could just run him right over with your car. Right. But if you do that, then all of the wrath of the law enforcement is going to come after you, right? Yeah. And eventually you're going to get caught. That's the authority. So even though he didn't have the physical power to stop you, he has the authority to stop you. And that's us. We have the authority that Jesus gave us because we're sitting at his right hand, because he gave us his name, because he gave us his word, because he gave us the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Those are all reasons why we have his authority and why we're operating in the heavenlies. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's really, that's another really good way of putting it too. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, you walk around wearing like this spiritual sheriff's badge and you say, you know, I have the authority in Jesus name. And there was a scripture where the apostles were trying to cast out demons yeah. in Jesus name. And they said, we know, and they said, the God who Peter serves or something, the God who somebody else serves. And he said, we know Peter and we know whoever that other person was, but we don't know you. Mm-hmm. Or we know Jesus and we know Peter, but we don't know you. Mm. And it's because they weren't operating in that authority of the name of Jesus. Because they weren't able to cast out those demons. Right. Exactly. And I think, didn't they like later go and tell Jesus? And he's like, and, and Jesus like says it in a different way, but he's like, do you still not get it? <laughs> you know, no, that's exactly. He's like, oh man, how long do I have to stay with you? Yeah. Like, are you going to get it? Yeah. And sometimes you think you get, I mean, that's just pretty much me and God all the time. He's like, when are you going to get it? I'm trying. Yes, <laughs> Exactly. Kendra, you had told me a story one time, and and if you don't want to share it, because I know it's kind of emotional for you, but it was something that had happened to your son, Mac, and and your father-in-law was able to. For sure. No, I'm happy to share it. If I get emotional, I apologize ahead of time. But um, when Mac was born, he had his first immunizations. What is that? Three months old? It's earlier than six months. I'm pretty sure it's three months. And Mac was the easiest baby. He never cried. Like he would seriously go three days without fussing. Mm -hmm. If he did fuss a little bit, you know, he was hungry or needed a diaper change. He just never cried. We went to get his immunizations and he cried and cried and cried and cried. Still was crying when we got home. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what was wrong with him. And I looked and his leg was like red and and swollen and it was hard oh like really hard to the touch and I have just so you know I have two older kids who also are immunized and never had any issues Mm -hmm. and so I knew something was wrong and I called the doctor and said you know he's still crying it's four hours later I was really upset and the doctor basically just said oh he'll be fine it's just that's what they do after immunizations. Give them some Tylenol. Four hours. I know. So I kind of, I gave him some Tylenol. I waited a little bit longer and I was, by this point I was fuming mad. Mm -hmm. I called the doctor back and I said, he's not doing any better. And he basically just like poo-pooed me like a mom, you know, like Mm -hmm. overprotective mama or something. So I actually remember like throwing the phone (laughs) and then I went (laughs) and picked it up. (laughs) Which is so out of character for you. So I ran and picked it up and I called my mother-in-law and I said, will you come over here and sit with the girls so that I can take Mac? I'm going to march him into that doctor's office and show him his leg and get something done. Yeah. And so she, she was like, absolutely. I'll be right there. And she shows up, but she also brings my father-in-law who's the pastor of our church. Yeah. And, um, he saw that I was visibly upset and I was probably crying too. I don't remember at the time, but he said, Now, I know you need to go do what you need to do, but just a minute. And he takes Mac in his arms, just like kind of holding him out in front of him. And he said, in the name of Jesus. And immediately Mac stopped crying, like immediately stopped crying. I know. And I was like, like the presence of God was like tangible in the room. Oh my gosh. And so he immediately stopped crying. And he didn't, you know, the thing about the authority of the name of Jesus is you don't have to say in the name of Jesus and you Mm -hmm. don't have to hit people and all of that. He just gently picked him up and said it really softly. And then, so then I was able to kind of calm down and within an hour, his leg was back to normal. Wow. So, I mean, it happened quick. 
It was a visible difference immediately, but then within an hour, his leg was not hard or red or anything. And so when I told Tasha that story, I said, nobody can ever convince me after watching that. And maybe you don't understand it quite because you weren't there and you don't know my baby like I know my baby, but I know it was miracle working power. Yeah. And there's so many instances like that. Um, Another story with Mac, we went to Red Lobster when he was, he was still facing backwards in his car seat. So he was younger than two. Mm -hmm. Um, And we went to Red Lobster and we had some shellfish. And when we got in the car to come home, and that's in Casper, so it's two and a half hours away from us. And when we got in the car to come home, I noticed he had red hives around his lips. And Michael's mom has had issues with shellfish in the past. She doesn't eat it anymore. Mm-hmm. In fact, she almost died one time. And that's a miracle in itself, too, with the shellfish. And my mom also has an allergy to shellfish. It's not as severe, but she also has an allergy. And so we were driving home from Casper, and he's facing backwards in his car seat. And I said, Michael, we better stay. What if, you know, he stops breathing on the way and I don't know it because he's facing backwards in his car seat. What if something swells up? You know, just the things you do as a mom. Yeah. And Michael just laid his hands on Mac in his car seat. And he said, in the name of Jesus, I command health and wholeness in this body. I command it to work and function like God designed it to work and function and no allergies in the name of Jesus. And then we drove home, never had another on his lips, still eat shellfish to this day. So just little things like that that happen in your life, and you're totally convinced that this, I mean, if the Word of God doesn't convince you, a personal experience definitely will. And I think the thing that, um, I hadn't heard that second story, but Mm -hmm. the thing that really stood out to me about the first one that you told me is that you said that your father-in-law, he didn't say in the name of Jesus, da-da-da-da-da. You know, all he said was in the name of Jesus, Mm -hmm. and that was enough. And to me, that just, I mean, that personal experience that you shared was just like a brick just hitting me because I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's not about all of these things that we pray. Like we, we don't know what to pray half the time. And that's why I think, you know, we've spoken in the podcast about the power of speaking in the spirit as well. But, but that just name is enough. Mm hmm. I think that's a really good point. I was at youth camp this weekend, and one of the speakers said, it doesn't matter how much word you know. Word is good. It's good to know word. You can pray word, just like you said. You can um, speak the word of God over situations, but the name of Jesus in itself is powerful. And he said, all you have to do is say, in the name of Jesus. And going back to my middle school years when I didn't know what to say, and I I was so scared after having those dreams, all I could say is, Jesus. And even that was powerful enough. Mm-hmm. And now that I've learned my authority and what else to say, it's even easier now. Mm-hmm. So you're exactly right. Just the name of Jesus, especially like God works with you where you're at, right? So if you're a baby Christian and you don't know all of the word of God and you don't know exactly what to say, mm-hmm. just saying Jesus, the Bible says the devil cannot stay in the name of Jesus. Resist yeah. him in the name of Jesus and he will flee from you. That's what the yeah. Bible says. Mm-hmm. So if you say Jesus, the devil can't be there. Right. And like, so like, kind of like with the speaking in tongues thing, when you got it, you got it. I was still so skeptical in my own brain. (laughs) It took me a while. But even like with like healing and stuff like that, I, I know it's real. But then like, if I try to do it, I'm like, oh, it won't work for me. It like, it is still like that, um... It's either my own just skepticism because I didn't grow up with it 
and I've, I don't know, I've done 28 years <laughs> where I didn't know it, or it's, you know, the devil trying to convince me that it's not real. Cause that is very true. Like, you know, when, when I got my tongue, the devil for weeks was like, you're making it up. It's not real. You're just being stupid. And then finally I was like, Oh, it's totally real. And so, but like when I try to do just little things in the authority of Christ, I think God is giving me those small miracles. He's like, it's happening. I mean, you guys knew that, um, somebody that I care about a lot has been having issues with, you know, demonic oppression and just like severe mental, just torment. And so one day I was just like, all right, I just grabbed my bottle of olive oil and I was praying in the spirit and I like kind of like anointed the oil and I prayed over her room. I prayed over her bed. And like a few days later, my, uh, my mom asked her, how you doing? And she's like, I feel the best I felt in a while. And I was like, Oh, and then I came home one day and she's singing praise music in her room. And it's those little things that like that never would have happened days ago. And so I think I'm still skeptical on some things, but it's those things. Well, and Kendra, you had told, you had told me one time, you know, that we have not only authority over ourselves, but our families. Mm -hmm. And so that has been something that I think we both have taken Mm -hmm. into our homes as well. But is it, what does it stop with just our families or does that, are we able to reach out to others? Just like a complete stranger. Sure. So that is a really good question. You have authority where you've been placed. So that's why we have authority over our families. Kitri's home is here. So she mm-hmm. has authority over this home. So she was able to, you know, do that. Now, when you're working with people, there's wills involved. Your will is your, um, you know, what your decision maker kind of, what you decide to mm-hmm. do. So if somebody has a will that's not open to the move of God, then you don't have authority there. Um, I can give you an example. Uh, at one time in my life, there was a family member who was making bad decisions and those decisions were affecting me and some other members of my family. Mm -hmm. And so I was praying about it one night because it's, it's like, if somebody has a will involved, you don't have control over that will. You don't have authority over that will. But if it's affecting somebody, your children, who you do have authority over, mm-hmm. myself, I have authority over myself, right? So it's affecting me. So I was praying about it. Like, show me how to pray this, kind of, is what I was praying. And just in my mind, I saw this person walking down the sidewalk, and there were some, like, like little monkey creatures following after. Mm. And when I saw that, I immediately knew that it was like spiritual oppression or demons. And every once in a while, one of those would jump up on the shoulder of the person and kind of whisper. And that Mm. person was trying to shake it off. So that was, I think that's key. At the time, I didn't know it, trying to shake it off. And sometimes that person would succeed in shaking it off. And sometimes two or three would jump on and and the person couldn't do anything about it. And so immediately I knew what I needed to do because I do have authority when it's affecting me. So I said, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirits, leave that person alone. And then I had a peace. I went to bed and it was fine. And since that time, there has been things started turning around, started making better and better decisions. And now to this day, we don't have issues. But I really believe or I know because it affected me, I had authority in that situation. If you're a mom, you have authority over your children. Even if they're in somebody else's care at that time, you have authority over them because you're their mom. Um, In your home, you have authority. So then if you go broader, in my school, I have authority, right? Because I work there. 
So I have authority over there every morning. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over my school, over my children, over our classrooms. So I have authority there because Mm -hmm. I'm operating in that sphere. Um, I have authority, obviously, at my church. I have authority in Lander. This is where I live. Mm -hmm. So I can take authority over things in Lander that affect me. Does that make sense? So if I was praying for, like, say, a different country, I don't have authority in that country because I don't live there. Mm -hmm. So you have to operate... When you're operating in this authority, you have to operate in the authority where you're at. Okay. And that makes a lot of influence. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You had spoken a little bit ago about um, it has to be within God's will when Mm -hmm. we ask things. So is there, are there things that we are maybe missing out on that God wants for us because we're just not asking in Jesus name? Um, is that, is that how that, if you could one-on-one it, is that how that works? Or is it that if it is his will, they will, they will work regardless of whether we ask in Jesus name. So that's a really good question. I would say that no, it doesn't just happen. God's will is on this earth, but what does the, um, Lord's prayer say? Let your will be done, right? Mm -hmm. He's praying for the will to be done. So the will is there. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is showing us, let's pray that the will is done. So even though the Lord's Prayer isn't a prayer that we need to repeat over and over and over again, it taught us how to pray. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is literally saying in that, pray the word of God or pray the will of God, which we know is the word of God. Mm-hmm. So for you to speak it out then daily makes it happen in your life. Mm-hmm. So I would say, no, God's will doesn't just happen because we know God's will isn't for school shootings. We know God's will isn't for you know, violence or, or poverty or sickness. We know none of that is God's will because in the word, it says Jesus has come to give us abundant life. It's the thief or the devil that's come to still kill kill and destroy. destroy. That's John 10, 10. So we know that the will of God isn't all of these evil things that are happening. So how can you, so you have to pray out the will of God. That's what Jesus is saying. If you do that daily and you're praying out the will of God daily over your life, that's what causes the will of God to happen. Where does faith in those things that you're praying come into play? If you are listening to this and you're just realizing that these are the things that you need to do, but you're kind of still on a skeptical scale, but you come, you know, right now and you say, okay, I'm going to try this in Jesus name. This is what I pray. So I'm going to refer back to Mark chapter 11, verse 23. And this is what it says, because I do think, you know, you're praying the will of God, but if you don't have faith, it says faith pleases God, right? Mm -hmm. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not believed. That's in Hebrews 11. So both of those verses are. So if you are praying in, in faith, then you're believing that you see it, even though there's no evidence of it. And so faith is really important. Mark 11, 23 says this. Truly, I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. How do you get rid of the doubt? I know that's really hard. I know that's a really hard question, but like I am like, I wish I could be the believer that I just can just believe and not have doubts, but I'm just like, okay, God still love Thomas. (laughs) Like, you know, but like, (laughs) but the more I'm with it, you know, I get it. But there are some times I'm like. I don't like this will happen for somebody else, but not for me. Or like just like a hint of doubt will cause it to not happen, come to fruition. fruition, Exactly. And then it's just like, for me personally, it's like, Oh, see, right. Didn't work. But then, but then God's like, 
but did you fully believe? And then I'm like, right. well, I'm trying, you know, like I hate to say this, but like that verse that w- where the guy is like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Uh-huh. I yeah, pray that a lot, a lot. Um, so there is a good story in the new Testament about that, but there's also one I just heard this weekend that the disciples were like, Lord, increase our faith. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was about, it was actually about forgiveness. And he said, you need to forgive 70 times seven. I do not remember where it's at right now, but they said, Lord, increase our faith because they were like, how in the world are we going to do that? Or how are we going to believe for healing? Or how are we going to believe for protection? But if you look at faith and doubt are opposites, right? So even though the Bible doesn't say, this is how you get rid of doubt. Number one, da, da, da. number two, mm-hmm. it does say, this is how you get faith. It says, you get faith by hearing, mm-hmm. and you hear the Word of God. Yeah. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So how do you get faith? Drink up the Word of God. That's mm-hmm. how you build up your faith. And the more that you do that, the more that, you know, the Bible talks about renewing your spirit every day, mm-hmm. and you renew your spirit by reading the Word of God. Yeah. Because now you guys understand you are a spirit, you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a body. Mm-hmm. So your flesh, your body is weak, and it's always going to fight against your spirit. Your flesh is going to want to do everything that the spirit doesn't want you to do. And so the mm-hmm. deciding factor then is your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Right. So if you're supposed to renew your mind every day with the word of God, you're strengthening it so it will lean towards the spirit side. So you can mm-hmm. picture the spirit on this side and the body on this side, and they're fighting for the soul. And the soul is the deciding factor. Two out of three wins, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can get your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions over to the spirit side by by renewing your mind every day with the word of God, then your spirit's going to be stronger and your doubt's going to go away. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying it's a magic potion. Right. It's something that you're just going to have to build up and build up and build up. And, you know, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues is a great way to do it. Jude one twenty says, build yourself up in the most holy faith by praying in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you build your faith up? So instead of looking, how can I decrease my doubt? Look, how can I increase, increase my, my faith? faith? Because faith and doubt are opposites. Right. Are there specific things that you find yourself praying for, like courage, um, boldness, things like that, that help with your faith? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like I've been around enough. I've drank up enough word of God mm-hmm. that I have a really strong, like I'm just convinced and seeing those things. But so if you were listening to the story about Mac, it wasn't me who said in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. To give you a little bit of background, at that time I had a barely turned two-year-old. I had a three-year-old who hadn't turned four yet. She was almost four and a baby. And mm. so, and my husband was working really long hours because he was going to school too. And I obviously was taking care of the kids and my spirit was depleted. Like, I was not reading the Bible like I should. I was barely surviving, to be honest with you. Like, you know how you're just broken down. Your spirit is weak. And mm-hmm. so what was I thinking? I was thinking, I'm going to go back to the doctor and have him fix this. So you surround yourself with people who can remind you, oh, this is the this is what you need to do. You need to have faith in God right now. He's the one who has your answer. Yeah, we, we've actually, on a previous podcast, brought this up because you said something to both of us one time about how Acts is still in progression mm-hmm. and how we're still, it, that it doesn't end because it's what we're in. So can you talk a little bit about that and how maybe Acts might be something that we can use? Sure. So um, Acts is when Jesus left 
he, you know, died and rose again at the end of the Gospels, and then he went to heaven. And he gave instructions to the disciples. He said, stay here until you receive the Holy Spirit. And so just eight verses into Acts, it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, and all of this stuff. And and I should say, before Jesus left, too, he said, greater works than I did, you will do. And he said, um, in my name, you will cast out demons, you will... What is it? Drink, drink your, poison. Yeah, it's like drink poison and not die. Step on snakes and not. You guys know that. 16, yeah. 15. Um, he said to them, go in all the world and preach and publish openly the good news of the gospel. No. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, speak in new languages, pick up serpents. And even if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. So those are the signs that he said you can look for. So then if you go to Acts when Jesus left and we receive the Holy Spirit as believers, Acts is all of, the reason it's called Acts is because it's the Acts of the disciples of Jesus or Acts of the Apostles of Jesus, what they did. Now the Apostles were the 12 closest men to Jesus, but he had millions of disciples to this day, right? Mm -hmm. Anybody who's a follower of Jesus. So all of this is what we're still in, living in. Acts did not end. We're still living in the, and we call it the church age. Mm-hmm. So Acts is when the church started, and that's the age that we're still in. And so why were you asking me about that? I'm just, just wondering, you know, what things we could read that we could um, pray oh, about in order you. to get stronger faith and the things that we ask in Jesus' name. Right. So I often will read Acts, and honestly, I read all of the Gospels, too, to see what Jesus did because he says we'll do greater works, right? But then if you read Acts— Um, You can increase your faith that way. Honestly, the Old Testament is full of faith. I know it's before Jesus came, but the Bible says Jesus is, or God is no respecter of persons. So he loves Kitri the same as he loved Peter. He loved Elijah the same as he loves Tasha, right? He's no respecter of persons. So things that happen to people in the Old Testament are awesome, are things that are available to us today. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith, and it talks about faith, and then it talks about all of these Old Testament stories and people in the Old Testament, what they did, how they got faith, what their faith produced. Um, Abraham is the father of faith, so you could read about Abraham. So I think modern day, you know, read Acts. And when I say modern day, that's the church age that we're living in. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for just... God, you did this for Moses. You can do it for me. You know, you parted the Red Sea for Moses. This situation looks impossible. I need you to theoretically part the Red Sea for me here. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, Um, absolutely. Or God, you said this to Joshua, you know. um, And so I'm proclaiming that over myself today because you gave that those words to Joshua. So I know I can use those words in my life. So kind of honestly, when I say increase your faith, like the word of God is what increases your faith. I really can't think of like something specific that this is going to build up your faith. But if you read those stories and you look at Acts and you see all of the things Jesus did in the Gospels, it's like your faith comes because you're hearing the word of God and you're digesting that. And then it becomes bigger than what's going on around you. It becomes mm-hmm. bigger than your circumstances. And I've heard this many times, but I'm only moved by the word of God. I'm not moved by my circumstances. 
So what, whatever it is that's going on in your life, whether you're struggling with people or whether you're struggling with a situation or whether you have lack or sickness or whatever it is, you say, I'm not moved by that. I don't know about that, but I can tell you what I do know. Mm-hmm. I know my God. And I know my God can do this at this youth camp. I just got back from youth camp. So it's like at the center of my mind, there were 69 youth there who were all totally on fire. They were praying for people. People were getting healed. They were speaking in tongues. You know, the atmosphere of God was so strong in there. It was so wonderful to see all of those youth with their hearts open and, you know, a lot of them are church kids. They've been raised in the church. And by the time you get to junior high, you've got a lot of word inside of you. And they didn't have any reason to. They're not like adults with all this religious baggage, you know, that we we mm-hmm. drag around from things that we've been taught or things that we've seen in the world. They're just totally convinced of what they're seeing right there and what the word was preached to them. And that's why the Bible says, have faith like a child. Because he says, forget everything around you. Forget everything that you've experienced in this world. Mm -hmm. For us as adults, that's hard to do sometimes because we've experienced a few things. But if you look at it from a child's viewpoint saying, and I saw it in these youth this weekend, they took the word of God and they put it into practice. And that was it. You know, you tell a child anything and they're going to believe you if they trust you. Mm-hmm. And so that's why God says, have faith like a child. You just have to openly say, okay, God, teach me. And if it's something, I've done this before, like, hey, there's no shame. You need, you're dealing with something, increase my faith. You can go, go to Google and say Bible verses about increasing your faith. I do that all the time. Yeah, you can do that. Or depression. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. feeling depressed, you can do that. For me, like I said, it was joy. Um, I'm just a really task oriented person. And sometimes I just forget to have fun or I forget to be joyful. And so I always am like studying. I have some daily confessions that I do about joy. You know, like Google is a great source for that. I had to do that a lot. Well, not a lot, but like, I, I, I mean, I still do. Hey, verses on this. Um, but like Mm -hmm. there was one time where I was seriously so depressed that I, I could not hear God. Mm-hmm. I could not feel where he was. I, I honestly thought he abandoned me, which I know is now a really stupid thing to think, but I was just so depressed. So I was just like, okay, what does the word of God say who I am? Mm-hmm. And so I, and I looked up every single verse and I just made notes. Cause like my brain was so clouded with just like that darkness that I didn't have the energy to even open my Bible. So I was like, Google. So like, that's a really good resource. And it doesn't mean that you don't know your word. Sometimes you're just like, Google's a great resource, man. And if you can only remember a few words from a verse, put that into Google. It's amazing. Like I use it all the time. So we've kind of talked about children and youth and whatnot, but what if somebody's listening and they're, they're older, they're, they're elderly per se. Mm -hmm. And you know, they are just have lived a life and they're at a point where they're just completely just downtrodden because Mm -hmm. they don't, they know that they need something, they need God, but they don't know how to go about getting that change made in their life. What steps would you say that they maybe need to take in order to get their, their mindset on the right path? I would say the very first thing is ask God, show yourself to me. Like it's amazing how God shows up in people's lives. I'd say get in a Bible believing church, a Bible preaching church, someone who's going to teach you the word of God and what it means for your life. Mm -hmm. And I would say, just have an open heart. If you're seriously looking and you're desperate and you say, God, I just need you open your heart and he will show up. 
He always, it says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That's what the Bible says, right? So if you just say, God, I'm here, meet me where I'm at. He's going to meet you in whatever capacity you need. It's not something that I can necessarily say because each situation is going to be different, but he's going to show up for that person in a way that he's real to them and that it's undeniable. And then you have to take the steps to keep yourself going, which is mm-hmm. go to a Bible-believing church, start reading the Word of God, and getting that down on the inside of you. Mm-hmm. And, and the accountability, I think, is kind of what you're, you're saying, you know, especially with going to church a bit. Um, how important do you feel like groups and Bible studies and, and fellowship with, other, with people in the church are in order to help you stay accountable? Well, the Bible says don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. It's really important to fellowship. Um, whenever you go out into the world, you're not going to have a lot of people around you in most cases who are really bold about the word of God and who are encouraging you that in fact, it's almost always the opposite in the world, so to speak. And so if you're out there in the world all the time, how important it is that you come back to a company of believers Mm -hmm. where you can get strengthened back up and they can encourage you in the word of God. And and you can see, Oh, this is working in their life. You know, it's just like, what is that statistic that says, you're like an average of the five people you spend the yeah. most time with. So you better be watching who you're spending time with, and it better be people who are lifting you up and mm-hmm. encouraging you in the Word of God. Yeah, and there's a verse in the Bible, I can't remember, it says, you know, if one person stumbles and he's by himself, it's a lot harder for him to get back up. But if he's with, you know, if there's two people and one person stumbles, he has one person to, he has that person to help him back up. And that's super, super true, just in getting, like, in the Word of God and, like, getting, you know, the ball rolling with that. But, like, sometimes, you know, like, when we do kind of get so overly focused on something or depressed or in a really hard situation, it's it's good to have that community where they can speak truth and speak life into you as well. And if you're trying to build up your faith and faith comes by hearing the word of God, then Bible studies and church and, and groups like that are the best place to get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, to build up your faith because then you're, you're around the word of God. So I would say it's extremely important to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people. And if you don't have people like that, find somebody, even now they have like online groups. A lot of churches have like big churches have like, what they call e-groups or online groups that you can join and and get it that way if you don't know where to go in your town or anything like that. And what if somebody doesn't have a Bible and they say, okay, this is my step. I need to get into the Word of God and I need to go get a Bible. What would you suggest would be a place for them to start with the Bible? Because there's so many different versions out there. (laughs) I get people that come into the store all the time and they're like, I don't know what I need, but this is what I know I want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd say uh, look at the reading level of the Bible because it sounds silly, but if you're reading King James Version, like, I have this King James and Amplified Bible that I brought with me. It's my study Bible. And I read the King James and I can barely understand it. So you want to get something that speaks to you. But you also have to be careful. So I would say New King James is a great place to start in KJV um, because it's a little bit more modern language. But the King James is the most accurate. So the New King James is going to be the most modern accurate. Right. And so if you're looking for something accurate, look for a version. It's going to end in V. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for something that's a little more loose, that's really easy to read, look for a translation. So that's going to end in a T. Some really good ones are the Passion Translation. And as far as I know, they haven't finished. So they don't have all of the Old Testament. I think they have Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon's in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And I heard Isaiah's coming soon. 
Um, that's a really good one. God's Word Translation, I use that one a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, my regular Bible that I read every day is the New Living Translation. I really like it, but when I'm studying about things like this, it's important to have an accurate version. That's mm-hmm. when you want a version, because then that's when you're going to find the closest thing to the Greek mm-hmm. yeah. or the Hebrew, the Old Testament. Hebrew. That Bible I have right there, that's a Christian standard Bible. But a lot of times if I read something in there, I'm like, what? I go to my study Bible. That's my new King James version. And I'm like, oh, okay. Cause well, then it also like has like the breakdown too. But yeah. I mean, it, but you know, you're asking like, you know, if somebody doesn't have a Bible about 90% of Americans have smartphones and there's Bible apps on there. And then like, you know, the Bible apps have all the different versions and, and it's free. Yeah, but I like I personally like having the tangible Bible. I like writing in mine. I like highlighting mine and I like, you know, flipping through that. I know some people like the electronic stuff, but sometimes there's just something about the pages mm-hmm. and opening it. That's a really good point. I'm glad you said that about the Bible app because you can easily like you can look at one verse and then you can just click translation or version difference and you can see what all of the versions give you and you get a really good idea about what it was saying. And there's also paraphrase Bibles out there, but would you, I think they're good and I have them, Mm -hmm. but as far as the actual meat, would you say if you're initially starting to just learn and get into the word to stay away from the paraphrases? I probably would suggest that. Um, Like I said, a translation Bible will kind of get you the same thing, but in a more accurate way. Um, The New Living Translation is a great one, and so is the God's Word that are easy to read but still pretty accurate. Um, and and so the paraphrase Bible is like the message. Is that mm-hmm. what you're thinking? Yeah. yeah, it just leaves out a lot of, like they'll take verses 20 through 25 and they'll like make a paragraph about it. And so you just have to be careful to make sure if this is what I'm studying to get faith, then I need to make sure it's accurate. And I also use the message and I like to read it, but then I always go back and compare it mm-hmm. to something that's more accurate. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming and coming on our podcast and being our first guest. It was so much, so much fun. So thank you a lot. And just thank you for what you do for the community of Lander and like what you've done for Tasha. And I, I know like, <laughs> I always feel bad. I'm like, I'm going to text Kendra about this, but she's probably busy. And, but you're always oh, like, no, no ask you questions yes. all the time. So you're just a really great person to have around. We, we really appreciate you. Well, I'll tell you, it was on, I was honored to be here. I don't feel even worthy of doing something oh, like gosh. this. So thank you for inviting me. You are so worthy. We're like, do you think we could get Kendra? Do you think she would actually say yes? <laughs> I love this. I just love like the to cool talk about club. Jesus, right? Yes. I love to talk about him, so it was a lot yeah. of fun. So yeah. thanks yeah. for having me. No, we appreciate you so much. And yeah, you've done you've done amazing things for not only my kids and my family, but we, I mean, you are a very highly revered name around town and I know you're super humble and you won't even accept that fact, but she's shaking her head and she's like looking at, she's like, no. And I have to say, I'm so impressed with you girls. Oh my goodness. I would, Kitri's like, well, you couldn't speak on my podcast. I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm so impressed right now. So that's awesome. No, it's good. And I mean, honestly, a lot of the material we've been able to come forth with and just have confidence in our and what we speak about is because of, of you. Mm-hmm. And so it's been like last week's episode. There is no way we would have been able mm-hmm. to speak on last week's episode if it wasn't for you and for, you know, the people of your church and yes. just speaking like truth into it. So yeah. Yeah. it's so. the truth of God that sets you free. Right. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Ladies. No problem. If you have any comments, questions or anything of that sort, you can uh, email us at IGS trust at 
gmail.com and then Kitri's got our social media. So you can find us on Instagram at in.god.she.trusts and then you can also find us on Facebook at the In God She Trusts group and we will see you guys next time. Bye! Bye.